well. And so we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Jesse. Uh, if you would, before you sit down or as you sit down, or, you know, just right after you sat down, because most of you are quick to it, uh, I want you to shake someone's hand or hug their neck. Um, don't sit by someone you don't know. Also, if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the back, you should have one. I'll give this back to you. I swear. All right. Look how kind of everyone just quiets at once. It gets a little quieter and everyone's like, oh, stop talking immediately. Um, So here's the deal. We are going to look at kind of a plethora of scriptures this morning. What did we call it? uh, A decompage of scripture? A collective, if you will. Um, so we're going to be kind of flipping around a little bit because um, we're not going through Mark today. We're going we're gonna to take a pause on that. We're going to go through some Advent scriptures. And so what I'm going to do is just kind of, kind of, you may not care about my thoughts through the Advent, and that's okay. You can think about something else while I'm talking today. But I'm just going to kind of share what Advent has, has done with me this week and kind of just share the thought process and kind of where that's been going and, and maybe it'll be encouraging for, for all of us. Maybe not, and that's okay. You can just keep doing your thing with that, man. Um, but so first, though, we're going to turn to Genesis 1. We're going to be there for just a second. We'll probably spend most of our time uh, there, and then we'll move right along, okay? Um, so Genesis 1, we're going to read the whole chapter. Uh, some of you, most of us probably know the scripture. I'm just going to read it to us again. It'll probably be on the board, possibly. Um, so follow along, and then we'll, we'll have some thoughts. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. And so God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. And God called the expanse sky, and there was evening and morning on the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry land, dry ground, land, and he gathered waters. He called them seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to the various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seeds according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seeds in accordance with their kinds. And God saw that it was good. It was evening and it was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. And let their lights Um, In the expanse of the sky, give light on the earth, and it was so. God made two great lights. The greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light and darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. 
So God created the great creatures of the sky and everything living and moving and moving thing which was um, which the water teems according to the kinds and every winged bird according to its kind and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them and said be fruitful and increase in number and fill the waters of the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning on the fifth day. And God said let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock creatures that move along the ground and wild animals, each according to its kind, and it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds and livestock according to their kinds and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let him rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created man in his own image image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves along the ground. And God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit and seed in it, and they will be yours for food. All the beasts of the earth and the birds of the air the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for fruit, for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, and the sixth day. So, um, we have this repetition phrase, right? This phrase of repetition throughout this passage. What, what's the phrase? Well, there's a lot of them. Sorry, hold on. <laughs> And I can't hear any of you, so that's good. So I'll just say what I think all of you are saying at the same time. We hear over and over again, it is good, right? Um, our Restore group talked a lot about this this week. Uh, this phrase, it is good, is this Hebrew word um, called tov. That's how you say that word. It's this, it's this word that, that implies something different, I think, than our Western world has interpreted in this passage. Right? So when God says it is good, the Hebrews say is tov. And this word tov is this really special kind of delicate word. Okay? It doesn't mean perfect. That is extremely important for us to understand about what they were saying about God's creation, what God was doing, God's interweaving of his breath and his hands as he created what he wanted and what would make him happy. After everything that he does, he steps away as he's creating beautifully, he looks at it and he doesn't say it's perfect. He doesn't. He doesn't say it is completed. He doesn't say it is finished. He doesn't say this has no room for growth. He says tov. Okay? Tov implies more than just good. It implies like a sigh of... Um, kind of like of marvel. Even the word, when you say it, if you would say it like the Hebrew said it, it's the end of it whispers. It, it doesn't have a clear halt, right? A lot of words we say they end abruptly or they end with a, a sound. Tov doesn't, okay? Tov is said almost like it's supposed to be a whisper, almost like it's supposed to be an exhale. It's said when you stand back after attempting to create and it looks exactly like you wanted it to look in your brain when you started the process. You say, Tov. 
beautiful, wonderful, marvelous, good. And God looks back on the sixth day when he's created all these things, and he starts talking about how they work together, right, through this passage. One, one day doesn't just have their own task, but they start interweaving together, and creation starts to, to, to kind of perform harmony together, right? And even you can tell when he, when he talks to, to men, he starts talking about all the things that kind of surround them and give them life and make it exciting, right? He talks about the animals. He talks about the plants that get water from the expanse who are governed by the day and night. And he starts talking about how they all weave together. And he looks back then and he says, Tov meo, very it's, it's almost like God whew, says, I like it, right? I started thinking about that today or this week, and it, it kind of haunted me some this week, and I loved it. Because we all have moments in our life. Some of them are fleeting. Some of them are lasting for a few moments. But we all know we have moments to where either something you've done or a conversation you've had or a split second you just feel overwhelmingly you just sit back and you look at what's happening or you watch your child or you see something special and you just exhale softly. And the exhale doesn't have an end. There's no word to describe. It's not perfect. Right? It's completed. It has room to grow, but it's hope. I just started talking thinking about all the moments in my life that I look back on and I can say if there was a Tove moment in my life it was there. Um, I remember I went to Connecticut right after college and uh, was a college pastor there. I was probably a very terrible college pastor there. I was like 21 years old or something ridiculous. And um, I'm a college pastor there and these, these, we started a church because there were no churches around where we lived. So we're like, well, let's have a church. That'd be awesome. So me and a buddy just started telling people, hey, we're starting a church. It was it was just ridiculous, right? 21 years old. But it, it went great. It was fun. And um, these, these two girls start coming. And uh, pretty soon, they just want the Jesus life. And they say, let's, they, they want to get baptized, right? And uh, both of their families, no, no believers in their families or anything. And I said, oh, man, yeah, let's, let's baptize you. I've never baptized anyone at that point. So I'm like, yeah, let's do this. And like, well, how does it work? And I was like, we should find a place to do this. I don't know. And they're like, well, let's go to a pond. We know this beautiful spot where this pond is. I was like, that sounds perfect. It is November, like, 20th, okay? I'm like, yes, outside. That sounds perfect. So I'm not thinking, obviously, about that. So we go, and, and one of the girls is like, can I invite my family and have a cookout? Can it be a party? I'm like, yes, I love cookouts. Let's have a party. And so her family, they don't want to be at our church. They don't want to be believers. We're like, you know what? We'll support you. Let's bring a ton of food and steaks, and we'll bring grills, and we'll cook out at the lake. You know, it's, it's a pond, really. But they're like, let's cook out at the lake. Like, this is all sounding so wonderful to me. And we get there, and I, I promise you, the lake has to be 30 degrees. It is so wicked cold in New England. Like, it's really bad cold. And we get there, and we're all looking at the water. Like, we did not think this through. This is not going to be pleasant for us in the water, right? So the two girls, uh, they were like, you should go first, and we'll join you when we're, we're ready. I was like, yeah, but we all get in and you all have to stay in there the whole time I am, you know? So we, we get in the water and their families gather around, right? And one of them's family, they all dress just perfectly, you know, because they, they were thinking this was such a special. So they dress in ties and all these beautiful things. So 
it was so funny because all our college churches like in shorts and not shorts it's cold but you know what I mean and so we get there and we the the moment comes when they're going to tell about their faith to their family right and then I'm going to baptize them and one of the girls just it's, it's the most beautiful thing she just starts to talk about her faith and she just starts talking about her life before and her family just starts to nod and her grandmother starts to cry she's talking about this and she just says that now she just wants a different life and she wants this Jesus life and so I baptize her and I'm, I'm telling you the watching her family's face when their daughter is baptized when they don't want to believe you watching her so proud of her hope her coming out of the water, giving me a big hug, and both of us freezing near to death, right? Toes. If I've, if I've ever had it. Just light, you know? Just, just delicate. And then it was, and then it was passed. And then we ate steak, and that was awesome as well. That's toad mayo, right? No, we, but we eat steak, and it's beautiful, and everyone's laughing, and we're singing, and her dad is talking to us, and it's just a beautiful thing, right? It's beautiful. And then I just thought about we, uh, Lily and I celebrated a, a one-year anniversary this last year. We're almost been married two years now, which is crazy to me. And uh, one of the, we stayed in this bed and breakfast, and one of the mornings we're having breakfast, and we just start talking about our, our top five for the year. Like, okay, let's look back at this year. What's, what's some top five things that happened in our first year of life together? And then we start talking about things we want for the next year. And we're sitting there eating breakfast and drinking coffee, Coffee was terrible. Breakfast was pretty good. But the conversation was just... Gosh. Couldn't have been anything else. It wasn't perfect. You know? I'm sure our dreams were small in comparison to what they might have been. I'm sure we missed some of our favorite moments. That time in Green, Texas was... You know, we look at these moments, and you're probably thinking of some now. And those moments, part of what makes them wonderful and terrible is that they pass, right? Is that sometimes in the midst of those moments, I tell myself, I say, Austin, remember this. Remember what this smells like. Remember what this, this feels like. Remember the temperature here. Remember your wife's look on her face. Remember, remember, remember this. This is, this is special. This is, this is life-changing. It's tov. Remember it. Don't forget. And then we do. You know? We, we just move on about our day. And we, we live our normal lives, right? And just thinking that through, thinking about tov makes me just long for more. And that's part of the deal. It's part of the deal, and it's, it's part of this next scripture passage, is that when we, we see it and we taste just a little bit of it, we want more and more and more. And we know deep down we're not going to have it for always. We know it's passing. We know a moment may come next that supersedes it with the opposite of Tov. We know just after something ridiculous will happen. Someone will say something stupid or a kid will hit their sister at the special moment. Or that's what I was my role in, in when I was a child. That was my role, to ruin perfect moments in my family. But we, we know that's going to happen, right? 
we know what's going to happen. We know, we know, Lily and I know, we don't argue much because we're just too different, but we know right after the beautiful conversation first, one of us is going to get annoyed at something, probably I'm going to do something ridiculous. And that's part of what makes it kind of sad to have these moments and nostalgic, right? Because we know, uh, we read this Wednesday, Isaiah 1, you can turn there, it'll be on the board too, but Isaiah 1 kind of describes the truth of like our predicament. It describes what we've done. It describes if we are left to ourselves, how we will live our life. It's Isaiah 1. I'm going to read verse 4 and 5. And it says this, Ah, sinful nation, a people loaded with guilt, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken their Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on him. Why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in your rebellion? Your whole head is injured, your whole heart afflicted. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness. Only wounds and whelps and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with oil. And the truth and the sad thing about these moments of Tov is that we know they're fleeting because we're the broken ones, right? We know it. We know deep down to the core, there's literally nothing good in me. I know this. You, my closest friends, you also know this. There's just left to me, I will persist. Like Scripture says, I will persist in my rebellion. I just will. I will love selfishly every time. My whole head is injured, my whole heart affected. From the soles of my feet to the top of my head, I will persist to ruin every time. And moments of toe break in, and I cut them short, and I live my life. That is the way it works. The unfortunate thing is we see that in our systems. Communally, we see that our whole church broken all the way. We persist in wanting our way. We persist only thinking of self or in competing with another body of people. We, we persist in it. We look even larger. Just check the news. Collectively, people want violence and war with each other. Even at work, I can tell we want conflict to be harder than it should be. We want to win, right? We're selfish, broken people deep down. We can see that. It's not hard. It's not, it's not hidden that our heartbeat continually beats selfishness. And in the midst of that, we look and we say, how is hope possible? I do that all the time with myself. I look and my, my, the, the man, my wife and future family will need, I cannot be. I'm fully aware of that. I'm fully aware I will not be able to be a father without fault. There's no way. Deep down, I will persist to be selfish. I will persist to discipline wrongly. I will persist to argue when I shouldn't. I will persist to have to have my way to win. 
I will persist in it, and I know it. And it even, honestly, it threatens to ruin the moments of Tov. And we're good at it. We are good at it. And in the midst of that, the crazy thing is in the midst of that, God asks us for hope. gives us glimpses of what it is to be. And he gives us glimpses of what we long for and glimpses of what we desire and yearn for. And he says, hope for those always. And some of us, if you're like me, have to cry out like that guy with the injured son who keeps throwing himself in the fire. It was preached about, I think, a month and a half ago or something. He has to say, cure my unbelief. It's like, cure my lack of hope. I can't cause hope in myself anymore, right? There's nothing left got nothing, right? If there's going to be hope in me, you have to grant it to me. You have to just give me this glimpse of hope or I'll have nothing, right? And so we say, give me hope. And he, and he does. And the exciting thing then is this week kind of hit a turning point for me on uh, Thursday afternoon. And it's this, this crazy thing. I have a friend at, uh, at work. I really love this guy. He's a good friend of mine. We watch Monday Night Football together every Monday. We group what to do, and it's ridiculous. Um, it's like a little social club for dudes. It's so funny. Uh, but we watch football together. I work with him every day. Really good guy, right? But this buddy of mine uh, had a BMX accident a few years ago and just jacked his teeth out, right? All of these teeth are just completely gone. And he's had surgery after surgery to try to fix them. But he had, like, a real serious problem. His, his jaw was mangled it wouldn't grow back, right? Like it started to, it was just this terrible deal. He's had multiple surgeries and spent out of pocket over $25,000 in the last two and a half years. As a young guy, it's, it's not like he's established with that kind of money just packed away somewhere. I don't know how established you have to be to have that. He, he doesn't just have this money, right? So he's spending this money to get his, his teeth fixed. And, and finally, he's at the point where he needed one more surgery. But it really discouraged him because he found out that one last surgery was going to be six to $9,000. And he's just tired of it, right? He has fake teeth now. He kind of puts in like dentures now. And he puts them in. But he's just sick of it, right? He's 26. He doesn't have six to nine more thousand dollars. He's done with it. He doesn't want to have a lisp when he takes his teeth out. He wants to feel in the roof of his mouth finally. He's just he's done with this, right? So recently, though, I've been talking to him, and we've been encouraging him, just let people help you with this, you know? Do a fundraiser. Do something to help get your teeth. But he's really doubted that that's possible. He's, Who's going to give me money just to fix my teeth? He said that over and over and over again. I'm, I can work. I can fix my own teeth. He said, well, yeah, but they're not fixed. Like, you're going to have to wait a long time. If you want your teeth, you should ask people. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's do this. So finally, he's decided that's what he's going to do, and he's been making cutting boards, and he's done a fundraiser online thing where if someone gives money a certain amount he'll give him a cutting board and all these things in the first 12 hours he raised $1,800 from his friends and this guy isn't a church guy at all a lot of his friends are some aren't um, and day three he had about $3,000 raised and uh, Lily and I are, are throwing a party for him at our house um, in a few weeks to try to help raise the rest he's going to bring a bunch of cutting boards and do the whole thing do donations and stuff, but he said to me Thursday, it's just this most wonderful thing, he says, right? He says, uh, it's crazy, 
we weren't talking about Advent or anything. He said, you know what this has done this last couple days? You know what it's done? He said, it's given me hope in community. Right? And he said, I get to go to the dentist next week and make my final scheduled procedure. He's a man's man. His beard is bigger than my own. Like he is a grown-up, right? <laughs> but he's sitting there talking. He says, I never would have thought that the community around me would do this for me. I never would have thought. So I never would have thought the people that have donated would have. And right then, God whispers to myself that hope is given in community. Hope must be given in we know we're so broken. We know we lack tove. We know we want it so bad. And I, I believe with all my soul that God says, help create it with me. He says, give hope away. Then you will find it. If you will just but give some, if you will exhale tove on someone else's life, then perhaps you will find what you've been looking for. Maybe that's where hope really lives. In the midst of doubt and despair, when there's equal chances for both, right? Matthew Hansen said that so well. We were sitting at the table one day this week, and he just said that, I don't even remember the phrase he said, but hope only exists when despair also exists. But right there in the midst of both of those things, if we will be a collective body that says we will fight and labor and sacrifice to give some of that, to give hope, to create Tov again, we find it. And a guy gets new teeth and has hope in community again because he can eat gum. Right? And in the midst of that, we see it. And Jesus starts to discuss that when he starts talking about the new heaven and the new earth this week. And he says this in Luke 21. He kind of gives a warning, kind of gives an exaltation he says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and anxieties of life. He says, just know, watch yourself. Because the temptation will be to be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the normal anxieties of your daily living. That will have your focus. That will have your attention. That will squash your hope. And he says... And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap, for it will come upon all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen, the hopelessness that is happening now, that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. And I'm adding with hope, with hope fulfilled. And so now, these weeks, that you're going to, be weighed down. The world wants to weigh us down with its anxieties of normal life. With the money we don't have to give the gifts someone doesn't need. Weighed down with the selfishness that comes from wanting to win or just needing to be the best or of being cheated and needed it, needing it to be made right when we need it to be made right. We will be weighed down with those things. watchful because if, if that's your life you will 
this tov. And we won't be creators of it. And we won't be people who give hope through community. We won't be people who find opportunities to give it away. And we'll be people that lack hope. I know we desperately don't know we want to be a community, a church, a body of people who just extends and exhales hope and tove. And so let's let's do that. not like a, here's what we do. One, two, three. That is who we want to become. And so I encourage you as we pray, as Cody comes and leads communion, I, I pray for you that you would pray for that. That we would pray and ask God, how do I be involved in a community of hope? What is my role in that? Let's stop just wanting hope for our single self. Let's, let's want it for the greater of us. Let's be givers of it together. And so just be praying and thinking and pleading for that. Let's pray about that today together. Let's see where that goes. Let's pray. God, we love you.